Hello, this is Stephanie Centella, and I'm here with Rachel Starston, and we just want to have a conversation today with you. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Rachel. And how did you get here today? Well, first, I am a person in long-term recovery today. It wasn't always like that. Um, I struggled with addiction from opiates and other things for many years. Um, it didn't start off that way. I was in a car accident. I was hit by a drunk driver on my way to school. And I went to the doctor thinking I was doing everything correctly. And they put me on pain medication. And I took it correctly at first. And I became physically dependent on that. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with that because I was doing what a doctor told me to do. Over time, though, that wasn't enough. Like I was in more pain because the pain medication wasn't working like it used to work. And I kind of went down a path where I had omitted God from my choices and uh, my good orderly direction that I had spent my life building. So um, I ended up tearing my family apart. You know, my children ended up going to live with their grandparents my marriage was destroyed. We lost our home. We ended up homeless in a hotel. My children changed schools five times in two years. And then I got arrested. At the time, I totally did not see that as amazing. But today, that was the biggest blessing in my life. Um, how lucky was I that the officer that arrested me prayed with me. He told me, you don't see it at the moment, but this could be the thing that changes your life forever. And he was right. He told me I was worth something better than what I was allowing myself to live. And so I was in jail for quite a while. It took me a while to see that. And then I got out and I discovered our recovery community and I've never looked back. That's awesome. What have you learned through this journey? as you've gone through recovery now and that you're, you know, expanding the choices that you're making in your life and stuff, what, where do you feel like this journey's taken you so far? Well, there's been a lot of ups and downs. People think that it's a, a clear path, but it's more like whoop, 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 all over the place. Um, first thing I did was I went back to church and I surrendered. I never was in a situation before where I was humbled so greatly. I would get in, in messes and lose my house and I would raise enough money and get a new apartment or fix what I had broken or this time that just wasn't possible. I knew that without a complete psychic change that things were never going to get better. Um, the breaking point for me was when I got out of jail, my children would not look me in the eye. And my son said to me, my 10-year-old son said to me, now we have to worry about you again. We weren't worried about you when you were in jail. Nobody's child should have to say that to him. Nobody. Um, and so I came back to church. I came back to Calvary Chapel in tears broken and said, please help me. Um, please help me build that relationship with God that I have been lacking for so long. I spent a lot of my life learning about God, but not 
building that personal relationship with him. And through time and reflection and counseling, I've learned that I never thought I felt worthy enough to have that. And so today I, I know that I'm worthy enough to have that. Um, That's awesome. Something for me that I learned in counseling here, um, like I've struggled with faith at times. I worry. You know, people said, you can't worry and have faith. And so I would come to the pastor saying, but I'm worrying, you know, and they said that idea of a super Christian that's always happy and never has doubt, that's that's not reality of how a Christian walk is. So I learned to be kind to myself. I learned to accept that some days I just wasn't feeling it, you know. I thought I should always be feeling it and always happy. And so when I didn't, I was afraid to say something. I was full of shame, you know, like I don't look like they look right now, but the truth is what I have come to embrace sometimes more than others because I still have those moments and that God loves me exactly the way I am. Jesus died on that cross for everybody where they're at, you know, that it's okay some days if I say to God, I'm praying today, but I really don't feel like it, you know. (laughs) Um, Pastor Johan taught me that. He says, that's the real you. He says, you don't have to go to God and say, oh, I feel great and everything is wonderful. Because when I would do that, I would feel like I wasn't being truthful. Um, So I have just learned that it's okay to just be in the moment and to accept where I'm at today and to try to have faith in all things. Doing that and saying that are completely different. And in moments like For example, my children have got to come back home with me, and it's been a process. They're teenagers now, and that's not always super amazing. You know, I walk in the door, and I trip over backpacks, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Part of me should be grateful, like they're home, and they're happy, and they feel comfortable throwing their backpack. But then there's other parts of me that's like, get the backpack off the floor, so... And then I'll feel guilty, like I should be more grateful. So I'm just learning to be where I'm at. That's awesome. That's awesome. And your testimony is amazing and has, I I know personally, has touched many, many lives. And that's just such a beautiful thing to see your flower open up the way it has. It's just been awesome to watch your path and to watch all the people that you've touched. So with all your past trials and tribulations, how do you see God creating something beautiful from what you've gone through? few things. One, God has healed what I have broken. It's still healing. It's going to be a lifetime of healing because it's a lifetime of growing. Um, when I first touch on my family, I have three sons. My oldest son is 21. I have a son that will be 15 and start driving this month. <laughs> and I have a son that's 13. And I participate in a lot of community advocacy groups Um, I actually got a job doing that now, which is so awesome. But a year ago, we have a group called Stand Students Against Drugs. And they're youth from our middle schools and high schools locally. And they talk about experiences, whether they've had issues with substance use or they have families that have issues. And they go talk to state lawmakers about what they feel changes need to be. So a year ago, I watched these kids come. And they were speaking, and there was a young girl... And it was the first time she spoke, and she told her story of living with 
parents suffering with addiction and she went through horrible things. And I remember raising my hand afterwards in tears saying, I was that parent, I negligent parent that didn't put my kids first. And I was so proud of her, even though I didn't know her, I've got to know her since and she's amazing. But I said, I pray one day that my children won't be ashamed anymore and that they'll be able to get up and speak and tell all the horrible things that they've lived through to help other kids realize they're not alone. So fast forward to exactly one year later, that same group of kids, well, since then my children have joined and my two sons got to sit up there and my one son who was so ashamed to tell people what he'd lived through and that his mother suffered from addiction issues, he got up there and he told a room full of people and he was on the news which he was kind of excited about although he's too cool to admit that these days what he lived through and he wanted his message was that he wanted to tell kids they weren't alone that they could reach out that there were adults that would listen and that things get better I sat there ugly crying as my son did that like that is God doing for my family what we could not do for ourselves that's absolutely beautiful. And I just have to say that I had the honor to be there to watch your sons. And I've known them for many years in the church and with you. And it was just, it was definitely a beautiful thing to see them up there. Because I remember before they came back home and they didn't want anything to do with you. And now to see them love you, not ever want to be away from you, especially your youngest son. He, mommy's not allowed to go anywhere without you. That's right. I just And to see them up there and to tell their story proudly about what their family's been through, but now what their family is doing now and how they're getting closer to God and your family's strengthening. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to be on the outside and watch another person in recovery, you know, get back what they've earned because of They've done the work. They've gone through what they needed to, and they've placed their faith in God and everything that they're doing. And, and you know, Rachel, I'm just so very proud of you and, and the things that you've done and so excited to see the many more lives that you're going to touch telling your story in recovery and, and touching many more lives. It's such an honor. Like, who would have thought we would end up here today? Um, yesterday I had a meeting, and I took my oldest son it's not unusual for me to go around meetings with one of my kids or somebody new in recovery because that's how we get people better. We get them involved. We get them excited. Um, my oldest son is 21, and it's no secret that he's had struggles with being with a bipolar diagnosis. And a few years ago, he was Baker acted, and I was blessed to be present at this time. He had issues as a teenager. I was struggling in my own addiction and I wasn't present to help him. I was there, but I really wasn't helpful. And I was kind of ashamed, honestly, like how could he be like that? Um, today I have no shame in that. My son's actually going to go work with other young people who have those issues. He's going to start publicly speaking and help people who have that and substance use issues as well because they go hand in hand. A lot of people don't know how to deal with that when you're in a manic state. So to see that happen and, and my mother-in-law who was so done because she had tried to help so much, I just exhausted her. Today she goes to meetings to meet other parents that have been through that. So God has healed my whole family. So 
in which you ask, how do I think? See this turning into something beautiful. I see that myself and my family have the opportunity to help other families in Pasco heal. See, when you help somebody with addiction issues, it's like putting a drop in the ocean in that ripple effect. So you heal a family, you heal extended family, you heal all the friends, you heal the church family that's been there and tried to reach out and help that. So you start getting drops all over and those ripples just happen. Like we can and absolutely will heal this community one person at a time, but that one person becomes one family, becomes one school, becomes one church. And it not only is it possible, but it's happening because we recover out loud today. We don't have to recover in shame and silence. That's right, that's right. So I think to wrap up everything today, it's that there is hope out there for people in recovery, that that we need to break that attitude of, oh, they're in recovery, you know, they're a bad person. I think it's just a, a beautiful thing to know that somebody can turn their life around and be a productive person in society and love the Lord and help other people and be a good person in our community and just really make a change. And I, I think that's one of the things that um, you and the people that you're working with and the things that you're doing in our community and, and hopefully some of the churches in our community are starting to get on board and understand that people in recovery do recover and they do, they do become amazing people and have amazing families and restore their lives again the way God has told us that if we give it all to him, he'll restore it for us and he'll give it back to us. So, you know, Rachel, I just really thank you for this conversation today. I think it's just been a beautiful thing for you to share your story again and for you to, you know, be open and honest with us about, you know, what you're going through and all the beautiful things that you're reaping from all of this and all the rewards that are coming forward and all the people that you're touching. And I just really appreciate your time today. Well, it's been awesome. And I would like to say in closing that, had I not come back to church and had I not had the love and support of the pastors and the friends and the counseling that I received here, I don't think I would be in a position to help so many people today. And I know that people get wore out. I mean, it's exhausting when you see the same people coming in over and over, struggling with the same thing they were struggling with last week. I was that person for many years here. I know people were like, oh my goodness. But today, I'm on the other end of that. And so I would just love to keep encouraging people in church just to keep loving on people and loving them where they're at because one day they won't be there. The, the seed that was planted in me started in jail when the church came in and said, you're so much more valuable to the Lord than this. So it's making a difference in our community. Thank you, Rachel.